Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. We appreciate all of you joining us on our NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel. He is Drew Dinsick, the Whale Capper, and I'm your host, Sarah Perlman. And coming up on today's show, we will get into some golf as the PGA Tour moves to Houston this week. And Patrick McDonald will tell us who he thinks will start out strong and where he sees value to win the Houston Open. And points bet head trader Jay Croucher is here to explain how difficult it's been to set lines early in the college basketball season. And we're also going to find out if betters are backing underdogs in week 10 after they cleaned house on Sunday in the NFL. And plus, stay around for our edge of the day where Drew, I got to say it, he's been red hot. We have all of that and so much more coming up for right here on Bet the Edge, powered by PointsBet. Drew, you are a humble, humble analyst and professional better. So I will brag for you when need be. You've been incredible in the NBA. People follow your plays, myself included. And that's where I want to start off the show because... It's tough if you're not following the NBA to a T every single night and sticking with the steam that comes in on both the side and total. So we're going to start here because huge NBA slate, 12 games for tonight. I'm looking at the biggest spreads fairly quickly. It is the Brooklyn Nets laying nine at Orlando. And then we have the Timberwolves and the Warriors. Warriors favored by seven points. Um, but this is really your time to kind of look at the 12 games on the slate. I know you'll have one for edge of the day to wrap up the show, but kind of tell viewers what you're looking for, how to ultimately handicap in this space, and kind of some sides that have caught your attention or totals for tonight. So totals have been the most interesting part of the NBA season to this point. Uh, I don't know if you've recognized this, but unders are legitimately, like, screen-meltingly hot. It is, uh, it, it now the market is reacting. Uh, we saw totals open up in, like, the 224 range on average to start the season. It's trickled down into the two teens now. But still, there are a couple of sides that just, you know, a couple of totals that continually get bet. Steam like crazy. The Cleveland understeam this morning was wild. We've seen massive oversteam on the uh, Charlotte-Memphis game, also on the uh, Portland-Phoenix game. And, uh, you know, it's not obvious to me why we are exactly seeing some of this stuff. And so to this point in the season, I'm largely betting sides. That's uh, that is to say it is a little bit easier to kind of fine tune what's going on with the given team and their situational, you know, situational aspects. And that has been uh, reasonably successful so far. A couple of games I wanted to kind of point to that I think are worth keeping an eye on today. Uh, the Mavericks are playing the Bulls. This is an interesting matchup just because 
you have a Mavericks team that's coming in that has underachieved to this point in the season. You know, there are pretty clearly things that they're trying to do offensively that are not working. And they're going up against the Bulls squad that has overachieved in, in large part. Uh, a lot of momentum here on the Bulls as far as the side goes across the uh, handicapping community. A lot of people think, you know, Bulls have a puncher's chance to uh, to cover this three and a half point spread. Dallas, however, obviously the most important player in the game in Luka Doncic. So this is um, one to keep an eye on in this market in particular. You've seen it steam up from two. 12 and a half to 215. I think that's actually probably the wrong direction. Both of these teams are playing towards unders in general. However, uh, without Patrick Williams, their power forward, the Bulls do have a couple of liabilities in terms of rim protection. So you could see Luka Doncic get off, get to the rim, and uh, really help push the pace and push the uh, scoring in this game. The other game that I'm really excited about, uh, besides my edge of the day, is the Phoenix Suns versus the Portland Trailblazers. I mentioned off the top, this is steamed up from about 220 and a half to 225. Portland, amazingly, is taking money. This was expected to be a six, six and a half point on the opener. It's down to five. Portland is coming in on a back-to-back. They obviously played to the wire last night against the LA Clippers, ultimately did not win did not cover really were never in with you know within reach of the cover for much of that mm-hmm. game and that's been the story of the blazers for a lot of the season so why they continually take money every single night is really beyond me this is a bad spot for them travel spot is bad rest spot is bad phoenix has a rest advantage phoenix is hot right now Devin Booker is coming into his own this season as far as his offensive contributions. Chris Paul is playing just as well as you would have hoped in terms of guiding this team. They'll be without DeAndre Ayton. They're without Landry Shamit. Their second unit is a little suspect, but I don't think Portland can really take advantage of this. So uh, Phoenix Suns at minus five beyond my edge of the day. That's my favorite look on the card. Okay, interesting. Yeah, such a huge slate. I will just say you talked about the Bulls and taking a lot of money. 85% of the handle coming in on Chicago for that first game you mentioned. And then really quickly looking at the Blazers and your confusion why they're taking money, 62% of the handle now early on the Blazers. So I like your side. I will follow you with your NBA plays with the Suns. And I look forward to hearing your best play edge of the day in the NBA slate. We appreciate you guys listening us here Bet the Edge every single weekday. Wherever you're listening, make sure to rate the podcast. Of course, sign up. We're giving you the most actionable information. And the lines move so quickly, especially totals and sides in the NBA, as we've seen. So we do want to make sure you're listening live or right after and gaining an edge with us. And of course, you can reach out to us on Twitter as well. I am at whale underscore capper and Sarah is at Sarah Perlman. We are covering everything in the world of sports, which is a lot right now. College basketball, hockey. Matt Bernier gave us some hockey winners last night. Vaughn was on with college basketball winners on Monday. Like there is so much going on. By all means, reach out to us. Give us a pat on the back for the good work or give us some tips if you think there's some stuff we're missing, some stuff that you notice. You know, always, always ears open. Want to want to continue to improve in this betting space. Yeah, and you said it. We're really covering everything. And the next thing now is going to be golf. We welcome in Patrick McDonald to help us handicap the Houston Open. And Patrick, thanks for joining the show. Now, after three weeks abroad, the PGA Tour now back in the United States, let alone in Texas. And I look at the Houston Open and obviously kind of seeing how the course measures. I saw there's three par five. So obviously it looks like the long hitters are going to have uh, an advantage here. So I'm curious how you're ultimately handicapping the Houston Open and some of your favorite plays that have caught your eye getting ready for uh, tee off tomorrow. Yeah. So when you think about golf in Texas, one thing you need to keep in mind as well is uh, the weather, right? Texas winds can really wreak havoc on these guys. And Because of this, if we're looking for a first-round play, the wind tomorrow looks a little calm in the morning, might die down in the afternoon hours, but I'm looking early in the morning. There might be some rain tonight in the Houston area. It'll, you know, 
play the golf course a bit softer, the fairways a bit wider. And because of that, I like Martin Laird at 100 to 1 to be the first round leader. I know, you know, I give out long shots. On I love show. it. You can't see me. I'm smiling 100 to 1. <laughs> but I mean, he, you know, it's it's good, with good reason. The guy is coming in with some great form. T11 at the Shriners, T22 last week in Mexico. And there was no strokes gain data last week, but by all counts, it was much of the same. Long drives, strong iron play, and his around the green play is trending in the right direction. And at Memorial Park, it's really a T to green test that should suit Martin Laird in. At 100 to 1, I think that's a good play given he's had first rounds of 67 and 68 in his last two starts. If you haven't had to sweat out a first round leader bet before, give it a go. <laughs> you don't have to, you don't have to, you know, max stake this, uh, but that is a super fun way to play the golf market. Uh, and I like that look a lot. Your breakdown is spot on. I agree with you 100% on the weather. So let's go, Martin Laird, 100 to 1. A couple of thoughts I've I'm curious, full tournament here. It's not an especially top heavy field in terms of, uh, you know, sort of the name guys on tour. Uh, there's really only a handful of guys who, you know, kind of finish in the mix, you know, at some of the majors, at some of the uh, year end events here. Does that open the door here for some of the mid-tier guys to really kind of make some money at this stop finish in the top 20? Yeah, like you said, I think there's just some ugly areas of the odds board, you know, especially at the top. I think I could only get there maybe with Cam Smith at 25, but that really leads to those guys, you know, 100, 200 to 1 who could, you know, maybe sneak inside the top 10, top 20. And someone I'm looking at is Wyndham Clark. And when you think about Clark, he's a long driver of the golf ball and one of the best putters on tour. And this year, the putter just hasn't been there yet. But despite this, he has a top 30 at Napa, top 25 at the Zozo Championship. And, you know, while he missed the cut last year, he opened with a five over 75. He battled back on day two, shot 169, missed the cut by a single stroke. And Clark does some of his best work on these more difficult golf courses. When you look at his history at Riviera or uh, PJ National, I think uh, there could be some correlation between those three courses. And so I like Clark plus 650 to finish inside the top 20 uh, this week at the Houston Open. You know, when I really started kind of betting golf with you guys about a year ago, um, it's been my favorite way to kind of bet golf, looking at the top 10, top 20, just because, you know, a lot easier to win. And of course, has me following a lot of the golfers more intently. So obviously, after the first round of great bet, my favorite are top 10. I'm going to look at the top 10 for Wyndham Clark, actually, at 14 to 1. Mm -hmm. But I always ask you, and I need someone, a long shot, or who you think will win the Houston Open. Your pick, obviously, it's a little bit harder to pick the ultimate winner, but kind of who you think has a realistic shot to uh, have a lot of success this weekend yeah I, I was thinking about this the other day when uh first time I came on the show I want to say it was like quail hollow last year and I might say the exact same thing verbatim I gave out Patrick Reed then I'm giving him out this week as well and when you think about courses over 7,400 yards that are played in difficult conditions Patrick Reed tops that list and it makes a lot of sense when you look at his wins at Augusta Doral Torrey Pines Beth Page Black and Look, I was fading this guy every which way in Las Vegas. He looked pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. And it bit me in the butt when I carried that into Bermuda, where he finished in a runner-up position. And he's since followed it up with a weekend appearance at Mayakoba, where he put a new driver in the bag. He was hitting it well. The irons looked sharp. And it was actually a scrambling that kind of let him down a little bit. And that doesn't happen two weeks in a row for a guy like Patrick Reed. It's a home game for him this week. He's a Houston resident. And I think it's a great spot to buy in. I got in at 45 to one on Monday. I like it still at 40. And I think T to green, the entirety of his game will come together this week.
Okay, I love it. 40 to one. Yeah, I've seen a little bit of movement and he's had success at the Houston Open, obviously tied 10th um, in 2016. Before I let you go, Will, I saw you kind of smiling a little bit. Now I'm curious, excuse me, Drew, um, do you have any plays involved in the Houston Ooh, Open? No, but that's, uh, I, I'm just smiling because I'm laughing about Patrick Reed scrambling and thinking about, he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't scramble poorly two weeks in a row. He'll find a way. But the, uh, that's a, that's a fun play. I've, I've seen some pretty sharp action come in on Adam Scott in this tournament. I think people are probably looking past uh, some of uh, his poor results from last year, thinking he's kind of got his driver yips figured out to a degree. He should be pretty dangerous in this field. And then, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I like the uh, I like the Martin Laird look a lot too. I think he's playing some darn good golf, and the uh, the fact that he could race out to a nice little lead gives him a chance in this in this tournament. Sounds like we'll tail you on these. Patrick, thank you so much. If you're not following Patrick on Twitter, you can do so and find him at Amateur Status. Tons of awesome props and plays for the Houston Open on NBC Sports Edge. Thank you so much. Thanks, you too. Download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter this week's free NBA pick and roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we are highlighting matchups between the Cavs and the Wizards, Raptors and Celtics, and Knicks versus Bucks on Wednesday. So if you do not have the Predictor app yet, Download it now. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. actually stay in the NBA discussion for just a little bit along with the predictor app and welcome in Jay Croucher, head trader at PointsBet. And I'm going to start with the Raptors and Celtics game here, Jay. And this is a line that's been interesting. The Raptors in Boston, Boston laying to the total just 206. Obviously, Jalen Brown, probably the biggest missing piece for this game. He's out for the Celtics. Overall, what's it been like kind of setting lines in the NBA? Do you guys feel like you've been doing well and uh, taking care of business or have the Sharps and kind of the NBA been doing well so far this season? Yeah, so lots of under winners at the moment. Fortunately, people mostly back overs, so that's been fine. Uh, with the Toronto team, this Toronto team's really interesting. Uh, I think they're one of the most confusing teams in the NBA. They're a really high variance side. I know that Drew was all over them preseason and that's probably bore him some fruit. But now with Siakam back, they're playing really small. They're probably the most athletic team in the league with the starting five. They've got the best coach in the league probably, Nick Nurse. And this Boston team has been all over the place. And right now this line reflects that, you know, we think that Toronto are better than Boston without Jalen Brown on a neutral court. 
Ah, fantastically interesting. I would agree with you. I think I've seen some pretty strong sentiment that the Raptors are the right side here and uh, wouldn't be surprised if this close closes closer to a pick'em. Um, another interesting game matchup of our uh, NBA finals two years ago in the bubble, the Miami Heat heading to LA. Heat coming off of a pretty underwhelming performance in your hometown of Denver. And they go to LA as four and a half point favorites against what is the most difficult handicap in the NBA right now, the Los Angeles Lakers. Are the Lakers a bottom five team uh, or do they warrant some respect if Anthony Davis goes in this spot? I think they warrant some respect and it's mostly about, I think Miami might be a little bit overrated coming off their hot start where you know you look at a lot of their underlying numbers and as good as they do look in the half court with you know how the ball it wears around they're very selfless they've got a lot of good passes they just haven't been efficient scoring with half court offense and so they rely on getting out in transition they're very thin as well and it's going to be really interesting to see you know jimmy butler misses 15 games every year and if that happens again this season all of a sudden they're relying uh very heavily on our sixth man of the year uh, and the bubble hero, Tyler Hero. Uh, and so we'll have to see how they deal with that. But for tonight, the Lakers, they're not the best watch in the world right now. Russell Westbrook can be painful at times. But yeah, we'll, we'll see if Miami can get, get back on track after a, a pretty disappointing game uh, in Denver. Uh, just a quick follow-up here because I am curious, Jay, where is the money coming in on a game like this? Just because, you know, the Lakers are a public play, but they are difficult to handicap. The Heat didn't look amazing in their last outing in your town. So kind of looking at the history and how these two teams are playing, where's the action been for you guys? So over 80% of the handle is on Miami tonight at the spread. I think that people are just uh, pretty disillusioned with the Lakers. They've been burned by the Lakers with a lot of non-covers uh, early in the season. And I think there is still bit of gloss on Miami as you know the early season darling so that's where people have lined up tonight so far it's funny that the unders have been so freaking hot yet I see people run to the window and back the under in the Lakers game we can you know day in day out and it goes over and it goes over and it goes over because they play fast for whatever reason they got all these old guys and they just run these you know they're running them into the ground whatever uh, let's talk a little bit of, I, I I don't know what to make of the Lakers honestly I assume there'll be a buy low on them at some point but it could be months in the future let's talk a little bit about college basketball because this time of year we t- you know kind of you know we t- talked about it off air here the market makers tend to absolutely dominate the month of November. And I'm guessing that's just because there are so many moving pieces. I mean, I looked at the board yesterday and there were at least 50 colleges that I had never heard of. And I live in the United States that I have my whole life. So I'm not exactly sure where we're finding these schools you know, to, to field these teams. Um, but uh, what is the general process like for you guys to make these markets for college basketball? Are you guys seeing a pretty uh, you know, healthy action across the board, or is it kind of concentrated in the marquee games like the Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, Kansas, and things like that? Well, firstly, Drew, I spent almost my whole life in Australia, so there's a lot more than 50 schools um, that I'm not aware of or haven't <laughs> been until getting into college basketball more. But yeah, like you said, you know, market makers, they dominate college basketball early, particularly on totals, which are very difficult to figure out early on. There's a lot of movement. You can generally judge how efficient and reliable and liquid a market is by how much the market moves from open to close without injury news. And college basketball and also lower tier college football, it just moves all over the place, particularly early in the season. So there is definitely an edge if people want to really dive in and study Uh, particularly the lower tier stuff. It's pretty hard to find an edge on a UCLA game or a Gonzaga game, but there is definitely edges to be found elsewhere. 
most of our action is concentrated on the big teams, on the ranked sides, but also college basketball, there's a lot more betting in play than there is in NBA just because of the volume of games and there's always something on to bet on. So that's a trend that we've seen where now over 50% of handle uh, comes in play for college basketball. Wow, that makes a ton of sense. I'm a little surprised by so much in-play betting, but just in terms of the bigger names getting more action, like myself who wagered on Michigan State last night, I move forward. Um, but these bigger teams, Blue Blood teams even, I just take a look really quickly at the national title favorites that obviously garner a ton of attention. I'm looking at Gonzaga 6-1, to one, Michigan 10-1, to one, followed by UCLA, Villanova, Duke. You get what I'm saying. What I'm really curious about here, Jay, is kind of some major money that you've taken on these schools. And would you tell, you know, betters and, and myself and Drew, is this a good time to get involved in the futures market or is college basketball, in your opinion, kind of a wait and see thing as you see a team shape up throughout the season and of course getting ready for March? Yeah, so our two biggest liabilities in the futures market are Texas and Purdue. People have seen stuff that they like with those two teams. Gonzaga is the most bet team, you know, as you would expect, being the favorite. I think my advice with futures generally is that, you know, the market is not going to react immediately in the first two or three games. So you can generally get a little bit of a wait and see. Um, after that, there is often a really strong reaction. I think we see, not to bring up Tyler Hero again, but you see that, <laughs> you know, with a market move like that, you know, you see two or three games of him and then, uh, and the price is relatively stagnant, but then it falls off a cliff. So you have to move relatively quickly, but you can get a little bit of a look early. Jay Croucher, yeah. big Tyler Hero fan. I, we've hit our Tyler Hero quota for the Jay Croucher segment, so we'll move on. <laughs> but uh, he's he's been playing great. He warrants some award consideration, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, though. Let's talk a little NFL, because I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I know you guys probably all earned the week off with how well the results went last week in the NFL. But that was overdue. I mean, it has been uh, it had been a couple of weeks where... Uh, the favorites and the parlays like it was, you know, no one was losing. And now all of a sudden you get a week like that where you just completely flip the NFL on its head. I talked to a lot of sharp NFL betters and they're all saying the same thing. We have no idea who's winning the AFC. We have no idea who's good in the NFL right now. It seems like a completely flat landscape. What were some of the general takeaways you had from last week, uh, you know, from behind the counter? And uh, what are some of the betting kind of trends and observations you've noticed among the players as they gear up and probably reload accounts for week 10? Yeah, so I think that, you know, that point about the AFC is valid where, you know, Tennessee, they're now just in the driver's seat for the one seed and they might not even be any good. They might not even be one of the 10 best teams in the league. But the fact that they've banked all these wins and, you know, against the Rams, they really didn't do much outside of uh, three minutes of madness from Matthew Stafford, which gifted them two touchdowns. Outside of that, they really didn't move the ball. Questions about their offensive line, about their, their defense, which has gotten a lot better, but still it's hard to kind of envision how that's happened. But I think that you know, the AFC being wide open, that's definitely a story. Underdogs last week was probably the best week um, for the book since I've been in the US in the past two and a half years, just with the Josh Allen on Josh Allen crime um, and all the underdogs just covering and just winning outright as well. Uh, so that's definitely turned. And now people for week 10 are finally buying into the underdogs a bit where two of our most bet teams at the spread are Atlanta plus nine against Dallas and then Detroit plus eight against Pittsburgh. And Dallas obviously looked dreadful against Denver. Atlanta looked good and Atlanta quietly a four and four in the playoff picture, which in the back of my head, I just written that team off completely. Uh, but they're looming. 
And then Pittsburgh, even though they beat Chicago, they didn't look impressive. And just, you know, laying eight points is, is a little bit rich for some betters. So um, they've jumped over the Lions. Yeah, I do kind of see some of the underdogs for this weekend. But one that I'm having a tough time getting myself to back is Thursday Night Football tomorrow with the Miami Dolphins getting seven and a half, even though they're at home. I've seen this Dolphins team play, and my concern is if the Ravens start putting up points, how are they going to get themselves back in the picture and score any? So regardless of the quarterback situation, where have you seen money come in on Thursday night football? And ultimately, who do you think you'll be rooting for come tomorrow? So we'll definitely be rooting for Miami. Uh, 93% of our handle is on Baltimore at the moment. And like you said, Sarah, I think you nailed it in in terms of speaking of regardless of the quarterback situation, because that's where we're at. Don't really see much difference at all between Jacoby Brissett and Tua, so that doesn't matter so much to the line. I think the story with with this game is just is Baltimore and how they keep on doing this despite all of their injuries, despite the fact that this is the least Ravens-like defense we've seen in years, and Lamar Jackson is just pulling this team to a top two seed in the AFC. You know, we think that relative to the rest of the market, he is undervalued for. MVP and especially offensive player of the year he's on pace to break the all-time record for yards in a season he's going to be top 10 in rushing yards and passing yards this is a historic season from Lamar Jackson so I think he is really the only thing to watch in the Thursday night game yeah we're in total agreement I actually really like him for MVP he's being overlooked in that market I'll get more into that game in a little bit for my edge of the day Jay thank you so much as always love having you on the show Jay is on Twitter at Croucher JD he gives us a peek behind the curtain at points bet every single week on bet the edge he's also going to join myself Drew and Warren Sharp tomorrow blitzing the board Thursday at 3 p.m eastern Jay thank you thanks guys Going to get into Thursday Night Football a little bit for Edge of the Day, but I begin with you. You tease it at the top. A lot of NBA games, 12 on the slate tonight, but your favorite play on the board. Let's hear it, Drew. So, interesting matchup in Memphis, Tennessee, where the Grizzlies welcome the Charlotte Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets are coming to town on the tail of a disastrous road swing. The Hornets got off to a pretty decent start to the season banked a couple wins, looked like they were building on last season's surprising success, and then the wheels have since fallen off, and they sit at 5-7 and seven with their overall record. They have lost five in a row, four straight on the road, including some bad losses to the Warriors, Kings, and Clippers. They finally give you an honest effort against the Los Angeles Lakers, but lose in overtime 126-123. to 123. This is the last game of their road trip. They get to go home after this one. Unfortunately, they draw the red-hot Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies are playing outstanding basketball this season. Even on their off nights, they have found ways to claw back into games to be competitive. They have had a couple of stinkers against the heat and the wizards out of conference you know that's not surprising but ultimately this team uh, is fighting hard they're winning tough games and they are uh, a very bad matchup for a hornets team that's going to be continuing to being without pj washington pj washington is not a household name he is not someone that you need to run and consider for uh, any kind of all nba award but 
the Charlotte Hornets are very, very thin in the front court. P.J. Washington out makes them that much thinner, uh, and they have a rim protection problem. Memphis Grizzlies, John Moran in particular, are exceptional at attacking in the paint, getting to the rim, finishing at the rim, getting to the free throw line. All of this makes the likelihood that Memphis has a plus EV offensive performance that much greater on top of the fact that Charlotte is coming in fatigued, coming in travel weary, uh, and looking to head home, put this uh, forgettable road trip to bed. All of this spells difficult here for me to see Charlotte coming back from deficit if they are down in this game early. I laid the four and a half points with the Grizzlies. Uh, realistically, this should be a six and a half point spread. The Grizzlies are just in another class. Hornets, I don't think, are a playoff team. Hornets, I don't think, are a play-in team. This team looks like they're taking a step back this season, if you made me make a decision. And uh, so I think Grizzlies taking a step forward, getting themselves into the playoff mix in the Western Conference. This is an important game for them to show us what they are. And uh, I laid the points with the Grizz. Add a little bit more, John Morant, one of the league leaders in points in the paint. Also now the Grizzlies looking for their fifth straight dub against the Hornets. Let's hope they get the cover, too. I've been tailing you in all your NBA plays follow you on this one as well let's get it okay for me i'm looking at a teaser in the nfl saw some lines that stood out we talked about the baltimore ravens seven and a half i know was a lot of points i didn't feel comfortable with the side alone especially when jay just said over 90 percent of the money is coming in on the ravens so i'm going to tease them down here we go two teams six point teaser i'll take the ravens tomorrow night minus one and a half and then the other side is going to be the browns plus eight if you just look fairly quickly, and I talked about it, I think the Ravens are playing this Dolphins team that I mentioned probably cannot keep up. Um, they don't have anyone to keep up with Lamar Jackson and the way they're playing. I don't care if it's Tua or Jacoby Brissett. I've seen this lackluster offense, and ultimately, even if the Ravens defense doesn't show up, I think they get the win. So one and a half is comfortable, no backdoor cover. The offense is a huge mismatch for between the Dolphins and the Ravens. So one and a half, um, this is some really interesting numbers that our researchers came up with. Not only have the Ravens won three against the Dolphins and eight of the last nine in the last three games between these two teams the Ravens have outscored Miami 137 to 16 so fantastic teaser like for me and the final one is going to be the Browns getting eight points here um first of all this is a low total so taking a teaser with a low total is huge has a better chance of obviously winning so the low total of 45 we know both teams love to run the ball and hopefully Nick Chubb is good to go obviously we have no answer on that yet but regardless, I think Cleveland's run defense is better than the Patriots. Baker looked really good without OBJ. Eight points is a lot in this game. Two good defenses. And for me, Browns plus eight. I actually like them plus the two, but plus eight gives me extra points to work with. So my two-team six-point teaser, I'm getting it now before these lines move. You're putting on a clinic of plus advantage teaser play this season. It's awesome to watch. Love the breakdowns. Nick Chubb. Doesn't matter. Dearness Johnson, just as good. They win the battle in the trenches. New England has not really been tested against the opponents that they've faced this season offensively. Cleveland, I am still holding out hope that this is a playoff team. That you can and make me both. Noise. <laughs> uh, let's go. This is a high leverage game, though. I really hope they win outright. But uh, getting them at plus eight is an outstanding look. And then pairing that with Baltimore, teasing them across seven, across three. Music to my ears. Great looks. Uh, let's go AFC North. You want to put a cherry on top? One of our researchers, John, just sent an amazing note. The Patriots have only beat two teams by seven or more points this year. Those two it's teams. The Jets and the Jets. <laughs> and the Panthers. Oh, oh the Panthers. The, two, the Jets and the Jets. Um, 
that's all we have for you. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on Bet the Edge. Do not forget to check out NBCSportsEdge.com. So many plays, content, analysis, and picks available to you there for every single sport. We will see you tomorrow right back here. In the meantime, best of luck with all of your plays and have a great rest of your day. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.